Welcome to Old Treasures Made New, your devotional podcast on the go or at home, where we read the scriptures and reflect on them with those from the past. Today we will be reading Matthew 24, verses 29 to 35, and then through J.C. Ryle's expository thoughts on Matthew. Please take a moment to pause and to ask the Holy Spirit to bring understanding and to apply what we hear. Matthew, chapter 24, verses 29 to 35. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. From the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branches become tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see all these things, you will know that he is near, at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. This is the word of the Lord. In this part of our Lord's prophecy, he describes his own second coming, to judge the world. This, at all events, seems the natural meaning of the passage. To take any lower view appears to be a violent straining of scripture language. If the solemn words here used mean nothing more than the coming of the Roman armies to Jerusalem, we may explain away anything in the Bible. The event here described is one of far greater moment than the march of any earthly army. It is nothing less than the closing act of this dispensation, the second personal advent of Jesus Christ. These words teach us in the first place that when the Lord Jesus returns to this world, he shall come with peculiar glory and majesty. He shall come in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Before his presence, the very sun, moon, and stars shall be darkened, and the powers of the heaven shall be shaken. The second personal coming of Christ shall be as different as possible from the first. He came the first time as a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He was born in the manger of Bethlehem, in lowliness and humiliation, He took on him the form of a servant and was despised and rejected men. He was betrayed into the hands of wicked men, condemned by an unjust judgment, mocked, scourged, crowned with thorns, and at last crucified between two thieves. He shall come the second time as the king of all the earth, with all royal majesty. The princes and great men of the world shall themselves stand before his throne to receive an eternal sentence. Before him every mouth shall be stopped, and every knee bow, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. May we all remember this. Whatever ungodly men may do now, there will be no scoffing, no jesting at Christ, no infidelity at the last day. The servants of Jesus may well wait patiently. Their master shall one day be acknowledged king of kings by all the world. These verses teach us in the second place that when Christ returns to this world, he will first take care of his believing people. 
He shall send his angels and will gather together his elect. In the day of judgment, true Christians shall be perfectly safe. Not a hair on their heads shall fall to the ground. Not one bone of Christ's mystical body shall be broken. There was an ark for Noah in the days of the flood. There was Zoar for Lot when Sodom was destroyed. There shall be a hiding place for all believers in Jesus when the wrath of God at last bursts on this wicked world. Those mighty angels who rejoice in heaven when each sinner repented shall gladly catch up the people of Christ to meet their Lord in the air. That day, no doubt, will be a dreadful day, but believers may look forward to it without fear. In the day of judgment, true Christians shall at length be gathered together. The saints from every age and every tongue shall be assembled out of every land. All shall be there, from righteous Abel down to the last soul that is converted to God, from the oldest patriarch down to the little infant that just breathed and died. Let us think what a happy gathering that will be when all the family of God are at length together. If it has been pleasant to meet one or two saints occasionally on earth, how much more pleasant will it be to meet a multitude that no one can number? Surely, we may be content to carry the cross and put up with partings for a few years. We travel on towards a day when we shall meet to part no more. These verses teach us in the third place that until Christ returns to this earth, the Jews will always remain a separate people. Our Lord tells us, This generation shall not pass away until all these things are fulfilled. The continued existence of Jews as a distinct nation is undeniably a great miracle. It is one of those evidences of the truth of the Bible which the infidel can never overthrow. Without a land, without a king, without a government, scattered and dispersed over the world for 1,800 years, the Jews are never absorbed among the people of the countries where they live, like Frenchmen, Englishmen, and Germans, but dwell alone. Nothing can account for this but the finger of God. The Jewish nation stands before the world, a crushing answer to infidelity, and a living book of evidence that the Bible is true. But we ought not to regard the Jews only as witnesses to the truth of Scripture. We should see in them a continual pledge that the Lord Jesus is coming again one day. Like the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, they witness to the reality of the second advent as well as of the first. Let us remember this. Let us see in every wandering Jew a proof that the Bible is true and that Christ will one day return. Finally, these verses teach us that our Lord's predictions will certainly be fulfilled. He says, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Our Lord knew well the natural unbelief of human nature. He knew that scoffers would arise in the last days, saying, where is the promise of his coming? 2 Peter 3 verse 4. He knew that when he came, faith would be rare on earth. He foresaw how many would contemptuously reject the solemn predictions he had just been delivering as improbable, unlikely, and absurd. He warns us all against such skeptical thoughts with a caution of peculiar solemnity. He tells us that whatever man may say or think, his words shall be fulfilled in their season and shall not pass away unaccomplished.
may we all lay to heart this warning. We live in an unbelieving age. Few believed the report of our Lord's first coming, and few believed the report of his second. Isaiah 53 verse 1. Let us beware of this infection and believe to the saving of our souls. We are not reading cunningly devised fables, but deep and momentous truths. May God give us a heart to believe them. That is the end of Ryle's expository thoughts for these verses. Let us carefully consider what we have heard today, and may the Lord be pleased to bring the growth for his glory.